Hello and welcome to the Lisa Luce Show. My goal here is to help you achieve energy, joy, and fun over 40. We'll be challenging the status quo on aging and choosing growing up over getting old. We'll be talking confidence, health, fitness, mindset, all the things to ensure you are living your best years ever. By the way, you can find me across social media at Lisa Lou Fitness, where I show up as your dancing BFF. All right. I hope you're ready. I am so glad you're here. All right. Today, I am so excited to have a friend and colleague on that I actually met in my women's health coach certification uh, several years ago. And her name is Buffy Stinchfield. Am I saying your last name right, Buffy? Yeah, you are. Okay. Okay. And Buffy is, um, she's, she's got her own practice. I'm going to have her tell you all about herself here in just a moment. But the reason I'm having Buffy on is because, you know, for years online, I've had women make comments, whether, you know, I'm exercising, jump roping, shuffle dancing, whatever it is. And, and most recently go into the trampoline park with my friends that, oh my gosh, how do you do that? I, I, there's no way my bladder won't let me. How do you not leak? And so with all of the questions and even more so coming recently as I've been posting more videos going to the trampoline park with my friends, this is out of my wheelhouse, but this is not out of Buffy's wheelhouse. This is what she does. So that's why I'm having her on today. And Buffy, will you take just a moment? First of all, thank you so much for being here. I know life is crazy and it's the holiday mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here. And please tell our listeners a little bit about you. Yes. Um, thank you for having me on. You're asking me to talk about my passion. So that wasn't a hard yes. Um, <laughs> so I have been a physical therapist since 2006. And I specialized because of my own health journey in pelvic health in 2010. And ever since then, that has been my passion professionally. I then started um, my own business, not working for anyone else in 2017, um, January 1, and um, I'm working on building a team. So um, when it comes to pelvic health, you can ask me anything. And to me, it's not TMI. So, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm I'm so excited because like I said, this is not my area ex of expertise at all, mm -hmm. but there are so many women with questions and concerns. And honestly, Buffy, a lot of them heard a diagnosis after maybe their first or second childbirth and they're, they're afraid. They don't want to hurt themselves. They don't want to do any more damage. And so what I'm finding is they're holding back from activities mm -hmm. that they may be able to do, but they just don't know how to go about, you know, increasing the health of, of the whole pelvic floor. So where I would love to begin is just tell me a little bit about what is a, a pelvic floor specialist? I know you are a physical therapist, so a pelvic mm -hmm. floor physical therapist. Tell me what it is you do and how you help women. Yes. Well, first and foremost, my job is to be my patient's detective. Um, finding the why is the most important thing. Um, it's really easy to assume that bladder leakage, like we're talking about, is just because of pelvic floor weakness. Um, 
But the reality is, I would say at least 60% of all patients for all the things are actually too tense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has been something that um, my profession has been trying to educate our communities for decades. Um, So what I do is figure out why are they having a leakage of pressure and then a leakage of urine. Um, And I know we've talked before this recording and I gave you an analogy about a soda can. Um, So realize the pelvic floor and the pelvis is oftentimes an innocent bystander. So my treatments don't start and finish at the pelvic floor. It's usually a whole body thing that's going on. And so it ends up looking like at the end, circuit training to help them get to a personal trainer, to help them transition to exercise, um, if that makes sense. So it becomes a journey when they start with us. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And since you brought up the soda can, let's just go right into that. Help Help our listeners Mm -hmm. understand how everything works together from when you explained this to me the other day, this was, it was such a beautiful analogy. And I actually, I have a picture in my head now, even Mm -hmm. as I'm going about my day, whether I'm standing there, well, I was about to say doing dishes. I don't do dishes. They go in the dishwasher, (laughs) but whatever I'm doing, I just have this visual now since you, since you talked about this the other day. So inform our listeners and give us this visual and this analogy of how it is that everything works together so that we can better understand what's going on with our bodies. Yes. Okay. So if you imagine a fully sealed soda can, we would trust that it would be strong enough to put it on the ground put a foot on top, create a lot of pressure on top, and we would trust that that soda can would not collapse. Now, if we poked a hole anywhere in that can, just one hole, all of us would not trust standing on that soda can and we would assume it would collapse, right? So when you think about your deep core, it's really common that people just think the core is your belly, just the front. Um, But I want you to put that soda can in your mind's eye into your torso. So the top of our soda can is our diaphragm muscle that sits at the base of our ribs. It's underneath the lungs and it's above all of the organs. So that's the top of our soda can. The bottom is the pelvic floor and the abdominals all that wrap all around are the sides of that soda can. So these muscles are not like the soda can where it just sits there. They are dynamic. And the only way that we can manage pressure within our soda can is that these muscles are coordinated. They are a team, a well-oiled team. When they work well, you don't even have to think about it. They do it on autopilot. So um, to think about how they move, if you take a breath, your lungs above are going to inflate and push down on that diaphragm. And the whole soda can team, the diaphragm muscle, the belly, and the pelvic floor should all move down a little bit or or just move down. As we exhale, everything recoils and goes back up, kind of like a piston. Mm -hmm. Tell me if I've lost you. (laughs) No, this is great. No, I'm right with you. I just am so visual. Yeah, so we're thinking a piston movement of as we inhale, things move down, lengthen. As we exhale, they shorten and move up. Um, So when it comes to urine leakage, and I'm I'm so visual too, so I sometimes on podcasts, I'm like, I hope that everyone can see this. So (laughs) when we sneeze, for example, it's a very common 
thing to sometimes leak with sneezing for women. Um, so when we sneeze, imagine that the diaphragm is trying to help get stuff out of the lungs and out through the mouth and nose. So it's going to push up. Well, if the rest of the core team moves right along with it and it's a team, then we do not leak pressure. If we are not a team and say the diaphragm goes up, the pelvic floor goes down, the belly moves out, we have just lost pressure. So as a side effect, we can leak urine. Mm. Um, so then I oftentimes relate the soda can to our form with exercise. When we want to do something heavy and we want to have the effort phase of our lift, that's when we should exhale to cue that piston, that soda can, to exhale and move up to help support us. Um, when we are thinking about alignment in, say, a squat or even getting out of a chair, we do not want to crush that soda can and collapse it in the middle, in the front, like where our belly is and slouch. We want to keep that soda can nice and tall so we don't create downward pressure. Got it. You know, you mentioned this so good. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. such good. Even hearing it the second time. And as you're talking, like I'm taking a breath in and I'm picturing these things happen and mm -hmm. I'm feeling so good. When you and I were chatting the other day, you mentioned something I had never he heard before. And being in the health and fitness field for over 30 years now, you know, you mentioned, you know how we're always told to hold our core tight. Well, yes, yes I've been holding my core tight. Um, you know, I have low back issues. And so I notice it kind of helps with my low back if, if everything stays engaged. But you said this could actually pose a problem and create over tightness. Talk to us for a moment about that. Oh gosh. Yes. Um, everybody and their sister has oftentimes been sucking it in since age 12 middle school. Once we first became aware of our bodies and we thought, Oh, let's not have a belly. Let's suck it in. Um, so if you now take that, that soda can and imagine a balloon. Okay. So the same spot of our body, if you had a blown up balloon and you created a lot of pressure, around the middle. You could imagine that balloon would bulge down mm. and up. Um, so that wouldn't be so awesome, right? That would kind of ruin the whole pressure system team. Um, and then I did say that probably 60% of my patients, their pelvic floor muscles are too tense. Um, when in addition to thinking we need to suck it in, women are often told that if they just kegel 50, 100,000 times a day, it'll fix all the problems, all right. of them, as if it's the panacea or it's to me, it's like saying, take an aspirin and it will fix every ailment in the body. Mm. And that's just not true. Um, if you have a pelvic floor and oftentimes it's the lower abdominals, if they're constantly clenched, they are out of business. They're out of service. <laughs> they're not going to be a team with mm -hmm. the rest of the soda can team muscles, diaphragm and belly. Um, so then you end up with marathon runners, athletes, um, and just regular women with chronically tense pelvic floors and they're leaking. And would I call them weak at that point? Not necessarily because they're actually stuck in spasm, um, mm -hmm. but they're not coordinated. It's not connected. Okay, so let's take this a step further. Mm -hmm. And what would you then recommend for those of us who have been 
you know, keep keeping everything tight and trying, you know, even part of your posture, you're taught stand up tall, shoulders back, stomach yeah. in, back flat. Yes. So how, what, how should we stand, sit, go about our day? Because when I think of, I have, I have a mild case of scoliosis and lordosis. Mm-hmm. So for me, that lower back curvature, I've got to be very careful that that anterior pelvic tilt, you know, that spilling the, spilling the cereal out oh, yeah. of the cereal bowl doesn't take over, which is a big tendency. If I'm not thinking and I'm just standing, I'll have this, this exaggerated sway back. So whether somebody has that condition or not, how should we think about our musculature and how should we hold ourselves to where we are maintaining good posture, but we're also not um, compromising our pelvic floor health? Yeah. Two, this is two concepts in one, and this is such a good question. Um, so one part of it is how do, you know, how do we not be tight at all times? And then number two is alignment, which is huge. Both of them are the crux of what I do. Um, so realize it wouldn't be natural for you to take your fist, your hand, create a fist, hold it tense all day long you know that it wouldn't work anymore. (laughs) It just got stuck there. Mm. Um, There's, you know, all muscles in the body are designed to be phasic. They're supposed to lengthen, release, and engage when they're needed. The pelvic floor and diaphragm actually work together in a way that they can both be on autopilot and most of the time should be, but then we also can bring them into conscious control. So we can go both ways, if that makes sense. Um, these muscles, if they are healthy, they shouldn't be on at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, you know, you think about your bicep or your, at your elbow, you shorten the bicep and you bend your elbow, and then you should be able to lengthen it. If we walked around with our bicep and elbow short, it's not going to work out so good if it gets stuck there. <laughs> so right. it's the breath we want to cue. So we want to always have the length and phase of an exercise or just throughout the day to be able to take these breaths where we lengthen our abdominals. We let them off the hook. The same goes with the pelvic floor, if that makes sense. Um, So we want to move with breath instead of just engage, 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 you know, ad nauseum. Does that make sense? It it does. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to expand more because in mm-hmm. case someone else is is maybe a little confused like I yeah. am this one area. okay so so again I'm trying to picture so I think I get the difference like when it comes to standing so I'm just standing tall right now mm-hmm. hip feet are about hip width apart mm-hmm. and if I were to just not really think and just relax there goes my lower back there goes my stomach out yes right? but yeah, if I take yeah. my pelvis and tilt it underneath well now my back is straight but my stomach isn't next necessarily clenched therefore my posture is in line and I'm not I'm not overstimulating my core muscles but when you speak of breath and I know if you were standing in front of us I know Mm -hmm. if you have one of us (laughs) hands right now you could explain exactly what that means but can you do your best to just give us an idea okay so now our posture is in line we're not clenching our stomach what does Mm -hmm. it mean to breathe through, I can't remember if you said through the pelvic floor or through the abdominal muscles. What do, what does that look like? Yeah. Okay. So um, your body posture habit is my body's favorite posture habit. And that is to lift my rib cage up 
um, to, so my, at the base of my lower ribs after babies, cause our rib cage flared a lot mm-hmm. and it makes your low back go into that lordosis, that exaggerated lumbar curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an old ballet dancer, I constantly sucked in my tummy trying to correct that alignment. So it wasn't even a postpartum thing. It was my whole life. Um, the cue is to think of stacking your rib cage over your pelvis. Your pelvis will shift a little bit, but often we are standing with our ribs flared up or lifted up, and then that makes our back curve. The easiest way to start to uh, figure this out is two ways. Either use a wall and lean up against a wall to find what it feels like to align to it. And you can have your feet 18 inches away from the wall, but you just get your back along the wall. Or you take a broom or a yardstick and stand. And the goal is to stand with three points touching the back of your head, your bra line, and your tailbone. That is going to help most people figure out what is neutral spine and they'll find it should feel like they need to be gripping their tummy in. Um, the biggest cue is to stack and bring those ribs down and get that bra line to touch the bar. That kind of makes sense. Now you're like, where's the bar? I need, (laughs) well, I'm actually, I'm standing against the wall right now. (laughs) Uh So that's good. Okay. So, so with the, with the bar, that would be going straight down your back, correct? Yeah, just standing feet side by side and that dowel, you want it to touch. Yeah. Three points. Got it. That's good. No, that's really good. I got, I got that. And when you said up against the wall, just because most everybody has access to meaning to a wall. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned feet 18 inches away from the wall. Is that correct? Yeah. And knees soft, like a foot and a half. Okay. And and knees soft. Okay. They don't want them locked out. And then you just work on getting your, the back of your head and the back of your spine touching the wall. Um, and what people find it's the first, one of the first tests I do with a new patient, um, because they're not used to being in neutral alignment and then taking deep breaths. So then I have them take three belly breaths and very often it reveals that their body's like, I can't breathe here. I can't let my belly look go. Mm. Um, and so as you'll, you'll hear it, this is a really constant theme of breathing, so many of us women have been sucking it in and shallow breathing or chest breathing alone when we think about breathing that we have to relearn. Yes. Hey, I'm going to go back to a question about the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> as I'm standing here with my feet 18 inches away from the wall, now my head is touching, my bra mm-hmm. line is touching, and my my pelt, my, uh, my, my butt is touching, correct? And, uh-huh. And can you get your low back to touch? I see. Okay. There we go. That's what mm-hmm. we're trying to do. Is, that's what I was missing because my feet are away. So I'm leaning a little bit. So I wanted to make sure I understand. Yeah. So the low back also touching, that is where the rib cage is over the pelvis mm-hmm. and now everything is in a line. Got it. That makes it's, so much. Yeah. It's using a tactile cue to just go, this is neutral. And yes, it's with an imprint. You know, if you talk Pilates, we're imprinting in this position. Right. Um, but it's a baseline because um, we oftentimes need that physical tactile cue to start to orient. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we've got 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years of standing a certain way and doing mm-hmm. things, 
correctly, then those tactile cues are huge. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I love both of those. Um, I hope for our listeners that was helpful. That's definitely something you can do to make sure that everything is in alignment. While ladies, we don't have to hold our stomachs in all the time anymore. In fact, we're doing more than it sounds like. So that's really, really, I love learning new things. And I'm, I'm all about, you know what, I have maybe been teaching this wrong this whole time. Let me shift. So that's really I'm really excited to hear about that. Buffy, talk to us a little bit about, um, so you explained what you do. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say a woman is listening right now and she says, you know what, I had my babies or, uh, you know, whatever. And my doctor told me, you know what, probably for the rest of your life, you need to be sure not to, you know, you probably shouldn't be a jogger, just stick with yoga and Pilates because we don't want your uterus prolapsing. Mm-hmm. What would, before we get into the real practical tips of, of, of here are some things that we can do to help with leakage, what would you tell that woman who, who in her mind is number one? most exercise for me, if it involves any kind of impact is probably off or B, my only other alternative is surgery. What would you say to her? Where would you tell her to begin? Oh, it's such a loaded question. And I'm so passionate about it. Um, So it's a real cringy when a medical provider without a physical therapy knowledge or background tell someone what to do or not do um, because they, um, most medical providers are trained thinking very anatomically, yeah. very black and white, cut and dry. They are not, they're not skilled at assessing a human that moves and breathes. Mm. They're used to that X-ray, the MRI, and that's with a static human on a table, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, most of the time, we do not recommend that people abstain from any exercise. The real, key, the real big important thing here is that we learn how to do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I do not believe in telling women not to do X, Y, and Z. If if it's not appropriate for them right now, I say not yet. Okay. But I don't rule it out entirely. Um, and um, when it comes to prolapse, that is where the, um, the ligaments that suspend the one or two or three of the organs in the pelvis can become weakened or injured. And they can um, stop doing their job so great of suspending those organs up in the pelvis. So they can start to shift down. Um, that's called a pelvic organ prolapse. Now, it is documented very well that over 50% of all women will have some form of a prolapse to some extent within their lifetime. Um, and that's a big number. Yeah. <laughs> and that does not just include postpartum women. There are 20-year-olds with significant prolapses that have never had a baby. Um, and this can be because of chronic straining at the toilet. Maybe they've been constipated their entire life Mm. um, and they've never learned how, you know, they've never resolved those gut issues or constipation issues. Um, Now, when we talk about surgery for prolapse, it can definitely be necessary, especially if organs are moving outside of the body. But most prolapses are within the body that things are just settled down farther and can cause discomfort. Um, 
when we talked about the soda can and pressure, Mm -hmm. it's really important to realize that that pressure system is everything when it comes to prolapse. So a surgery, yes, could tack down a ligament or, you know, hold the bladder, but just like any material on the planet, given enough time and pressure, any material can Tell me if this sounds like you at all. Uh, First of all, are you lacking energy? Do you just feel really, really fatigued? More often than not, do you lack confidence? Do you feel like, you know, I just need discipline and accountability? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm just overwhelmed and I truly don't know where to start to get this weight off, to feel better, to age strong and feel youthful for as long as I can, to stop having joint pain. Well, I want to invite you to jump on the wait list for my energy course transformation because I'll be opening the doors back up early 2023 and those on the wait list actually will get the best Price that I will offer. So you want to be on this list. Just go to lisalufitness.com forward slash waitlist and you'll be notified as we get closer and you will be given an opportunity to save money. Now, this is my flagship program. This is a life-changing program. And why is that? This is unlike anything you've ever done before because we're not just focusing on nutrition and on movement, which those are two very big pieces, but we're actually working at the cellular level because that's where your energy stems from. If your cells are not producing healthy mitochondria, guess what? Then you are low on energy. So we're really healing at the cellular level. I would love for you to be part of the next round and I would love for you to save some money. So once again, lisalufitness.com forward slash waitlist. That's W-A-I-T-L-I-S-T. Fail. If we don't resolve someone's pressure management issues, teaching them how to breathe, how to get out of a chair, move in a way that they can coordinate that deep soda can team, that surgery might not last that long. Mm, interesting. That's the reality. Every It's easy to want a quick fix. This is not a quick fix situation. Um, yeah. So typically, if we have a prolapse, we want to get in with our pelvic therapist so that we can be the best advocate for our own bodies, that we can go back to our exercise classes and know how to scale movements and exercises for ourselves. Okay, so a pelvic uh, specialist, a therapist, Mm -hmm. what is the best way to find one in your area, one that is one that knows their stuff that you can complete? Mm -hmm comfortable because I would imagine some of the procedures could be invasive. Am I correct? We will do most visits for the first visit. My office, we do 90 minute initial assessments. We do a whole body assessment, meaning that walling, breathing, looking at their squat, their balance, their hip strength, how they breathe. Check for that um, gap in the tummy. If they had a baby, the diastasis, um, teaching them about their core, how to breathe, doing some outside of the body cues. Um, But the very end, we do most of the time do a eight minute pelvic floor muscle assessment. Um, And that's with full reverence for them. These assessments are nothing like a speculum exam in an OBGYN office. Too often um, medical providers can become apathetic about these assessments Mm -hmm. when to the um, patient, this is very invasive. 
um, pelvic therapist definitely holds space for that reverence. And if the, we vibe and we talk with our patient and we realize they're not okay with yet um, a pelvic floor assessment, we won't go there. Um, but after we've built trust and they understand where we're going and they really understand that we're trying to help them solve their problem and make sure we give them the best advice, they're nine times out of 10, very willing to figure out what's going on, if that makes sense. It, um, yeah, beautiful. I, let me, let me just pause right there before you go on that mm -hmm. right there. That's why I brought, you know, well, and, and I want to get back to how can they maybe find one they can be comfortable yes. with, but yeah. that, that question stems from the fact that I do understand that this can be, this isn't just working on posture. This can go a bit further, but the experiences that I've, the women that I've talked to, their experiences have been very positive because they had someone they trusted and it, you just said it so beautifully. These practitioners really do hold space and reverence for that level of um, intrusion, if you will, especially mm -hmm. if that's not something you are, you're expecting. And I want our listeners to understand this is a whole body approach. This is not just let's work, you know, the base of the pelvic floor, like you were saying <clears throat> earlier. And because of that, there's some assessments that may need to be made um, that, that may go beyond what they were originally um, expecting. And I want that expectation to be set early on just, well, first of all, knowledge is power, but second of all, understanding this is not, um, this is not a simple fix oftentimes. And, and there does need to be a little bit more of a robust approach to it. So thank you so much for mentioning that. And so back to what is the best way for someone to find someone that, that they can trust that is, um, that is someone they want to put their health, their hands, yeah. their, their health into the hands of this practitioner. How do they go about yes. that? Yes. Um, I have a couple recommendations. Um, number one, there is the pelvic mm. Um, Tracy share is a wonderful pelvic therapist and expert in our field. And she did a wonderful job taking years to create a, um, a database so that we can go on there as a directory and you can type your city, your country, um, and find a pelvic specialist, not just therapist, um, all around the world. So thepelvicguru.com. Um, and then honestly, there are a lot of amazing influencers on um, social media that you can look for. Um, um, but you can also Google pelvic therapy, um, check out their website. What you're looking for is a place that appears to really, really specialize in this. Um, you don't, it's, it's, you're going to be cared for better if it, the whole clinic is focused on this. Um, oftentimes there's going to be therapists that, um, no offense to them, but they're working within a very big orthopedic office that mm. treats shoulders and knees and feet and necks and backs. Um, and yes, they will have taken courses or maybe certification, but they still aren't all in. Um, they will see, you know, a few pelvic patients and then knees and hips and backs and um, shoulders for the rest of the day. Um, and so oftentimes the clinics that are set up almost exclusively for pelvic health are usually going to be set up in a way that they feel more comfortable for you. Um, they'll usually be very careful of the ambiance, 
it'll feel safer um, just in general. And they usually are more all in on with pelvic health. So good. That was the, that was worth the price of admission right there. I tell you what, <laughs> um, I, I, seriously, I mean, because that isn't that part of our, our angst with really any practitioner, but especially when it comes to something, number one, personal and number two, that you're probably going to be working with this person for a hot minute. It's not going to be mm-hmm. probably in one day out and everything's fit. There's a so journey. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a journey. So I love that. And I will link um, that website, the, the pelvic guru.com. Mm-hmm. link that notes as well. So thank you for that. Okay. Let's get into some fun stuff now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, okay, I hear you, Buffy. I'm going to call and I called and I can't get in for two months, but I want to start doing something now. What can our listeners do? Let's say just the general issue out there is leakage. What are some things that they can start doing right now at home? We talked about posture, you know, alignment, making sure we're not sucking in our stomach too much just to make sure everything is working in tandem and there's not over tightness, but, but to start maybe helping us on the path of, of pre preventing leakage or slowing the how much comes out Mm -hmm. what can women start doing now um you can start working on imagining that lift with your exhale um the best first position to start finding your core is actually on your hands and knees um your deep core is way more connected and and just coordinated in that position So you work on, on your hands and knees, taking a breath in and dropping your belly. Now, if that's hard, just stay there for a while. Many times women, because they've sucked it in all their whole life, they can't let go. They cannot let their belly drop. And this is huge because imagine if someone was standing and they had their knees locked out and someone said, I want you to jump, but do not bend your knees. Do you Mm. think they would jump successfully? No, we can't jump without first squatting down, getting low. That's our potential power for your deep core. Your potential power lives in that lengthened phase. So the first step is take a breath in, drop that belly. Then when you're able to drop the belly, then you start working on pursing your lips to create resistance for air coming out of your mouth. Then you purse your lips and blow and imagine squeezing and lifting from your pelvic floor openings and lifting as if a zipper is going along from your pubic bone up to your sternum. Um, That's your exhale. And you're imagining like a wave, like a domino of tension starting from by your tailbone and drawing up. Um, And you can do groups of five to 10 pelvic floor breaths on your hands and knees just to orient that soda can piston thing. Okay. So as I'm going through this in my mind, I'm trying so hard not to drop on my hands and knees right now. (laughs) But again, so I understand. So, so our listeners understand we're on our hands and knees. Mm -hmm. We take a breath in. When we take a breath in, our belly should drop. Drop. Mm -hmm. And we exhale then that that stomach shouldn't be pulled in tight, but should naturally with the exhale come back to neutral, would you say? Is that a good yeah. way to put it? Or actually your belly will act and activate like a reflex when you activate your pelvic floor. Explain that. So yeah, as you do a Kegel and squeeze your pelvic floor, 
it will tell your lower abdominals to engage and lift up. They will do it reflexively. They can't not. Um, okay. So what we don't want to do is lead with the tummy. You want to lead with the pelvic floor. Then all is right with the world. <laughs> your deep core will work effectively. So is a Kegel part of this process when yeah. you're on the knees? What point if a that? Kegel means closing, squeezing, lifting your pelvic floor openings, yes. Have that be the start of activating your pelvic floor. Um, nice. And you should feel your tummy lift right along with it and go along with the flow. Now, this isn't the whole uh, basis for rehabbing and jumping on a trampoline successfully, but sure. it's the beginning of starting to orient to Oh, when I blow out, I engage. When I inhale, I can let go. Um, the other part, if I was going to give real two short bits of advice, would be also to really start working on your hip stability. Glute strength is everything. The, so if you imagine your pelvic floor at the bottom like a trampoline, you want all the supports surrounding that trampoline, all those springs, to be mm -hmm. secured strongly. Um, not stuck, pliable, but secured strongly. So that is the hip muscles in the front, side, and back. And the stronger the supports are for the pelvis, the healthier and the better the pelvic floor works. Because like you said, it all works together, right? Oh, we're not talking yes. about internally. We're talking mm -hmm. about muscles, those those glute muscles, the, the core muscles and core, you know, is is front and back. It's that whole band around the midsection, right? Mm -hmm. We all forget about the lower back when we speak of core. So it's it's all of those muscles. That's so good. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna beat a dead horse just because I love practicality and I know for a fact there are women right now on their hands and knees listening to this. Yep. So we're gonna go through it one more time. Mm -hmm. We're on our hands and knees. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a breath in. In through our, your nose. Yep. In through our nose. Our belly should mm -hmm. drop when that happens. We allow yep. our belly to drop. The Kegel happens right there. And do we hold that no. Kegel? As breath? you initiate your breath out. So exhale with effort forever. So inhale is always the release, the reset, the let go. And as you start to purse your lips to blow, that's when you initiate squeezing, lifting your pelvic floor imagining your tummy scooping and lifting up. Okay. You just said exhale with what forever? Say that again. Exhale with effort. E E exhale with effort. Okay. Uh -huh. Ladies, I hope you're gaining so much from this right now because I guarantee you, I will be going back and coming back to this part of the podcast when I'm not actually interviewing <laughs> to be working on this because, because it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to do mm -hmm. it. And another thing to do it again and again. So just keep going back and fast forwarding. But again, we're on our hands and knees. We're taking a breath mm -hmm. in, allowing that belly to drop. And then we're exhaling with effort, creating that Kegel. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're creating that, that, uh, what would you call that pressure or squeeze and lift thing? Squeeze and lift, squeeze and lift. And we're repeating that so that we can start to get, um, start to get everything working together. And what else, uh, Buffy, do you have any other tips that was so beautiful? Anything mm -hmm. else that we can be doing from home? Um, well, the other about that squeeze and lift, I would say if you can't drop your belly, that is a huge clue that you have too much tension in your core. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I would not encourage working on the squeeze and lift part if you cannot fully let your belly drop and release. 
So that's, that's a do not pass go. Got it. Got it. Good. Good. I'm glad you clarified that. Okay. Yeah. Very- um, and you know, I, it, there's so much to this, but the last thing I will say about, um, jumping is imagine a staircase and it's not, it doesn't make much sense to go to the first stair and then jump six flights or six, six stairs and skip a whole bunch of steps. Right. When it comes to getting ready for jumping, we, or jumping on the trampoline, we should be doing small bits of hopping, small bits of, you know, other things that are smaller and feeling confident with that before you get onto a trampoline. Um, then the last thing is a smaller base of support can make you feel more successful sooner. Don't land with your feet super wide apart. Keep your feet, even do a scissor crisscross with your legs front to back when you jump and land. Um, I'm not saying your feet have to be right next to each other, but do a scissor jump with one foot front and one foot back, but don't make your feet wide. That can help your pelvic floor maintain pressure better. Okay. Because you talked uh, briefly about rebounding the other day and anybody unfamiliar with the word rebounding, it usually, it usually is uh, synonymous with like a mini tramp or, you know, all, all the, mm-hmm. the old school <laughs> trampolines our moms had growing up. I remember my mom had one. Um, and so, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't bounced on one since your first child was born, probably pulling it out of the closet and going gangbusters is not the thing to do. However, talk, can you talk just real briefly, and then I'm going to move on with one or two more questions and let mm-hmm. you get about today, Buffy. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the benefits of something like a mini tramp and what, what it, what just going about it, even like what you were just saying to do with the feet a little bit closer together, the scissor kick, what are mm-hmm. some of the benefits? Um, well, the health benefits are massive in terms of lymphatic support, circulation, um, you know, from a full functional wellness standpoint, moving our lymphatic system helps us detox our bodies, which is essential on a day-to-day basis. Um, of course we can get our heart rate up. Those of us that live in areas that have cold winters, it's a good way to get, um, exercise in in a cardiovascular way without having to go outside when it's super cold or rainy or snowy. Um, yeah. So I will say that I'm not saying everyone needs to be on the trampoline. Absolutely. Um, and then I think you and I talked about, um, just short of a trampoline, I actually brought in a vibration plate into my office because of having patients that can't jump without leaking or are terrified of it but I knew that they could benefit from um, the vibration plate. And that also can be good in preparation for a trampoline. Yes. And I'll add to that. I've had a, I've had a vibration, a whole body vibration platform for about 10 years, maybe. And um, they are more affordable now than they were 10 years ago. I'll just say that. So if that's something you want to know more about, your gym may even have one. I know a lot of gyms have one these days because they're just, they kind of, uh, I, I want to say they started becoming more popularized maybe in the past five to seven years, you just started hearing about them more. But anyway, I would, I would definitely recommend trying one before you purchase one, but that is another alternative. So I did want to talk about that for a minute. So thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So couple more questions. So you mentioned pelvic, I think you said pelvic floor prolapse. Would that include uterine prolapse, bladder yep. prolapse? So that would, that would encompass all of those. Is there, 
one that is more that that creates leaking more than the other or is it is it all the same again i have no idea about any of this and most of our listeners don't yes they are all connected um to pressure okay sorry my car is beeping um they're all connected to pressure um leakage can happen with prolapse and it doesn't always have to but it's still at the heart of it all is pressure management okay Okay. So yes, they are all related in terms of pressure management. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one more question before we, we let listeners know how they can find you and find out more about you and how you help women. Um, I have had three C-sections. So when women ask me personally, how do you jump rope? How do you, you know, do this, this kind of movement or that kind of movement or jump on the trampoline with no leakage for me personally, I've always just assumed it's because I've had three C-sections. So that, and not by choice, by, by the way, um, but that, that, that area was not disrupted like someone who had a natural birth. Is that an oversimplification? It sounds like it may be since you even mentioned 20-year-olds. That without are, babies. Without babies mm-hmm. could have issues. So could you speak to that for just a moment, especially yeah. as women are getting older, whether they had C-sections or not, what does that age, what is happening as we age um, mm-hmm. to, to further maybe uh, contribute to some of the issues that women are experiencing? Yes. A C-section does not make us bulletproof. Right. Um, I've seen actually patients that had a C-section and then had pain with intimacy postpartum. Right. Um, even though a baby did not pass through that direction, they still mm-hmm. had pain. Um, and then as we age, a couple things. We are losing muscle mass starting in our 30s, um, which I know you know full well, Lisa. Right. Um, unless we do something to prevent it. Mm-hmm. Um, so muscle mass is reducing as we age. And then as we hit around 50, menopausal symptoms usually are coming. Um, estrogen is crucial for pelvic floor function and tension. Um, so very often, um, if you feel like you've hit that close to that age and all of a sudden you're feeling leakage, please go to your OBGYN or your, the doctor you see for women's health. Um, you could get as simple as a topical estrogen cream to support those tissues and actually reduce some of that leakage. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. that's some great advice right there because that's non-invasive. That's something no. that can be prescribed right from your, your provider. So that's really good, Buffy. Okay. Great information. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. This has been, I can't tell you, I'm telling you, I will be going back and listening to this podcast because even what you said about being on all fours, there's a, there's a, um, a core workout that I, that I love to recommend for women. And it involves being on all fours. And it's one of my favorite positions to be in because of how deeply everything can feel connected and how much more um, pronounced you can really engage all of the appropriate muscles. So when you said that about the breath and understanding how the belly drops and it's on all fours, I was fascinated by that because I thought I love that position as well for some things that I teach my clients. So that that's amazing i can't thank you enough for being here i know you are off and about y'all hear buffy she is a busy <laughs> mom and wife and it's christmas season and she was sharing beforehand they're all in the nutcracker and 
so much going on, but you were so gracious with your time. Bucky, tell our listeners, how can they find you, find out more about you and what you do to help support women? Yes. Okay. So my Instagram is the pelvic health coach. And then through that Instagram page, you can find our website. We do do virtual consults um, far and near if that's needed. Oftentimes I'll do even just a half an hour um, virtual visit with someone in Canada or across the country just to help get them directed to the right person and hear their story. Because oftentimes women don't feel that they've found that person yet. Right. Um, but yes, we've got lots of information on our website, lots on social media. Amazing. I will link that up in the show notes as well. And um, I hope I hope you enjoyed hearing Buffy's just so much knowledge and passion about this subject. I have, I learned so much before the podcast, just with us going back and forth, talking about the podcast. And then today I learned so much more. So again, Buffy, just thank you for sharing your knowledge and your expertise and your passion with all of us, because I know these women are going to be walking away from this podcast, feeling more empowered and equipped to how to go about helping, helping maybe, um, self do do some self-assessment some self uh, observation mm-hmm. with how we're holding ourselves how we're breathing how we're engaging our core and can maybe even right in their own home start to prevent some of the leakage that they've been dealing with and that's been holding them back from activities that they can maybe be enjoying so thank yes. you thank you again you're incredible and uh, we'll be connecting soon okay thank you so much Hey, thank you so much for being here with me today. And depending on which platform you're listening on, be sure you're either following or subscribe so that the latest episodes are really easy to find. And if you have a moment and you found value here, it would mean everything if you could take just a moment and leave a five-star review for this podcast so that I can get the message out to more women. Thanks again for being here and I will see you next time.